0: welcome back to Chase the Unknown. We are back today. I'm with my co-host Trinity Dobbs, and hey, I'm guys. Roger Sisk. How are you doing today, Trinity?
1: I'm tired, but I'm good. How are we're you, tired. Roger? It's
0: been, it's been a long day since we're recording this.
1: It has. That's okay. Finer things.
0: Then <laughs> well, I who know. Who needs we, sleep? You can
1: sleep when you're sleep, dead, right?
0: right? I know. Today, we on the podcast, we have Mr. Gino Payne. Is that correct?
2: Yep, that's me. How's it going? Awesome. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Gino Payne. As before mentioned, I. I'm a cinematographer, filmmaker, and lover of the motion picture. Oh,
0: lover of motion pictures—that's awesome
1: get. way to word that. <laughs> so let me go ahead and start off with the first question of: How did you get into filmmaking?
2: Um, I, I was sort of always into. So I'm I'm an identical twin. Okay. And oh, so, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So and so it was one of those things where every time I thought maybe. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I wanted a photo. I would just tell him to, you know, be where I wanted the photo, and then I would take the photo. Yeah. and so I, I always ended up being the the photographer for us. And then I uh, just kind of got into journalism. And then in high school, I was in journalism, and then. Uh, You know, stayed in the theater departments and the creative arts, and just naturally, you know, I I mean, I loved film. I remember the first movie I really loved Mm -hmm. is weird, but it's like this old movie called Volcano. Do you guys know it? It's got, I've heard of it.
1: I don't know that one.
0: I've never seen it, but I've heard of it.
2: It's, it's, it ain't that old, but it's, it's old. (laughs) It's old
0: enough to
1: date you. Like, what, what year, what year is it from?
2: I'm, I'm going to venture to say like 92, 96 region. Right in
0: that nineties, you know, movies, classic era. You know, we remember movies from the nineties.
2: Man, do you know who your accent reminds me of? Man, I was like a huge fan of Chipper Jones growing up. And when I listen to your voice, you sound Interesting. just like him. Interesting. <laughs> interesting that,
1: that's actually a new one i haven't heard that one about i you haven't yet. either
0: i i do have i do have very specific memories though of going to turner field growing up and watching him play and stuff man that guy and was stuff. full on he was the true. he was
2: a beast dude yeah dude him and was...
0: john smoltz back in the day when they were <sighs> they were playing you know john that's... smoltz
2: Greg maddox tums glavin's come on man oh yeah,
0: yeah that you go way back to the top glavin days oh yeah right <laughs> I'm that that's smile. the that's the glory days for, right, exactly that's the glory right. days for the Braves. And now they're I really don't follow the baseball anymore, so I, yeah. I wanna know, but
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm a small and pretend like I know what y'all are talking about, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it's interesting how like you you get into something for a while and then you it kind of kinda of drop off eventually, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, like, no, oh, I know. I was really I was crazy anymore. about the I was crazy about the Braves, man. I remember oh, yeah. hating the Yankees and oh. hating the Cleveland Indians. And it was like when you were a Braves fan, you didn't care, you didn't really have rivals in your conference or in your division in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Your rival was whoever the best teams were in the other conference. Yeah. Because that was who you were gonna be going against. And now it's like you know.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we talked a little bit about um you you saw um Volcano, not tornado, you saw a volcano, <laughs> <laughs> you saw a volcano, and you said, okay, well, that kind of sparked something, uh, yeah. okay, this is really cool, like, almost in a way of, like, did, was it then, or when did you kind of have um, a wake up in terms of, like, okay, well, this is actually, like, a job, I can actually, like, do this for a living, did you yeah, have that I experience? Yeah,
2: must, I must have been really young at that time, I think I must have been, like, seven, eight, nine. Mm. I don't, I don't remember, but, uh, yeah, I felt like 10, you know, because uh, 85, Okay. Um, so, you know, and it, and I just remember thinking, like, how is there lava going? If this isn't real, then how is there lava going down the street? And there was, like, so many firemen and mm-hmm. so many people and wardrobe. It's like, how, how is this possible? Mm-hmm. Never really thought about it as a career or anything like that at that point. I just, I remember thinking, you know, it, it put this whole grandiose idea in my head. It just was magical. Mm-hmm. Then, um, <clears throat> as I said, natural progression falling into, like, art. In mm-hmm. school, and just always having like a, a, a larger imagination, um, mm-hmm. and having these. Um, I guess one of the other things was that you know, I, I had like a lot of uh, imagine uh, imagining, um, um, s- scenarios where we had to create these worlds, uh, in our theater class and in our theater uh, studies that. You know, for me, I found it was very limiting in what we could create Mm -hmm. um, because it was on stage. And so that was when I was like, you know, I want to, you know, I started shooting small videos and start creating Mm -hmm. content and then I decided that I wanted to, um, you know, that I was in love with uh, creating film.
0: So you were in love with it and you kind of just went off from there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know,
1: that's kind of the interesting thing is people don't understand a lot of people who are not in. Film or theater, they don't understand the difference between the two. The mm-hmm. only difference yeah. that they can see is once in front of a live stu- live audience, and yeah. even some film can be done in front of a live audience, but mm-hmm. they don't understand the difference. And I think that's kind of makes a good point when you said, you know, you were limited with what mm-hmm. with what you could do, whereas with a camera and the power of any editing software that you have, you can create literally anything you want.
2: Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you. When you're dealing with, um, I mean, there's there. I mean, do me I love mm-hmm. uh, theater, and I love my classically trained actors. Uh, mm-hmm. And some of the best stories are still conversions from stage plays. Um, yeah. But um, mm-hmm. you know, you certainly can't, you know, uh, create Avatar world mm-hmm. uh, on a stage <laughs> yeah. for for percentage audience. Right. Again, you, can't, you? Can't you? Just can't do right. that. You, you know, you can't mm-hmm. make Will Smith stand face-to-face with Will Smith at my yeah. age like 20 and 50. You, yeah. can't, you can't do that. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, just the ability to say, okay, well, mm-hmm. let's do more. Uh, let's create more was, was fun. Of course, at that time in my life, I was not able to do any of the things that, mm-hmm. you know, I was limited by. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. to do all these things that I was unable to do via the lack of resources and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um but you gave know, it gave you, you something connected. to aspire to. Exactly.
0: Exactly, exactly. Did you have any um whether it was directors or maybe actors or um specific people, did you have anyone that you kind of looked up to up to as a child of like, I wanna be like them or I wanna I wanna get to that level?
2: I mean, honestly I didn't really and this sounds bad, but I didn't really like gain this massive respect for like other directors and sort of filmmakers and their processes until I was like much older. Mm. Um, I would say like, maybe like 25, 26. Um, Growing up, I knew, of course, everybody knew who Steven Spielberg was. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, if, if his name was on it, it must be really good. And I didn't know why it would be really good. I just knew that like every time his name was attached to it, it was good. But the first director I kind of caught my eye was uh, Michael Bay. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember learning that he was this commercial director and this music video director. Mm -hmm. And that his style was very much influenced by that stuff. And I remember, you know, also being in music videos, creating a lot of music videos and creating a lot of promo videos. And, you know, in Atlanta, everybody wants to be a rapper. So I'm making like... A million oh, yeah. EPK packages and like a million music videos mm-hmm. and I worked for all the little the Atlanta rap camps and stuff yeah, creating yeah. videos and stuff yeah. and and then I remember you know when I was gonna make my you know I was insistent on like all these things happening that was like mm-hmm. okay come on Michael Bay like you yeah. can't just blow up stuff you know <laughs> yeah. you don't have a Michael Bay budget you know yeah <laughs> yeah
0: we can't just Michael Bay it, you know, <laughs> but that's a really interesting, that's a really fascinating take because I feel like especially in the film world, um, maybe not. I feel like there's kind of this consensus of like, oh, it's like Michael Bay, like, you know, I, I feel like there's almost like a stigma around his name as opposed to like as in the same way that Steven Spielberg has a aura around his name of yeah. oh, it's Steven Spielberg it must be really good. I feel like in a way, because of all the Transformers films and everything, there's kind of now become this stigma, you could call it, or aura around Michael Bay's name in terms of like, oh, well, all he's going to do is just blow stuff up, you know. But if you dig deeper, it's it's really a lot deeper than that at the end of the day because, you know, yeah, he's blowing stuff up, but at the same time, like, that's what he enjoys creating. Yeah. That's you know, yeah. so what he loves making.
1: Mm. I mean, every director is different, just like every... Actor yeah. is different. Every writer is different. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, go
2: ahead. Yeah, it, it just feels like, I it feels like, um, yeah, there, there's certainly these directors that, mm-hmm. you know, I would say, okay, okay, that's not my cup of tea. Like, I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna indulge in you know a film because his or her name is on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know, in fact, I'm more likely to see it way way later because of that. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but with that said, that like there's there's something for everyone out there. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you watch, you know, uh, you know the two-bit horror films, and you, you know, kind of. Some people say, ah, oh, you get turned off because there's like blood everywhere and it's just going mm-hmm. crazy and it's just, like, what's happening here? But then, you know, I mean, there's a high level to everything. Like Quentin Tarantino does that, totally. but yeah. it's like spot on. Like mm-hmm. you, you're watching a Quentin Tarantino film thinking. Oh my God, I can't wait for people to start getting jacked up. It's gonna be yeah. so good, but it's about to happen. Yeah. You know, uh, or even so, like a
0: good example of that is like the raid films. Yeah. Like that I I'm blanking on the director's name right now, but um like even those films, like those are brutal. Like right. I couldn't watch those movies. Those are too brutal even for me. But yeah. but you know, it's it's that but in a way, that is excellence in that field. Like yeah. that's it's that's really well done.
2: Yeah. You know, and so Michael Bay is is to me, I would say you know when it comes to blowing up stuff and doing all between him and Ridley, um, uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't know, but I think Michael Bay is just a little bit more ridiculous with it, yeah. um, because it's like you know I mean first of all something blows up and then you got to spend like the next two minutes of the film with all the stuff coming down. Is yes.
1: that? I remember. Yes.
2: I, I remember watching one of the Transformers. And it goes up. Was it like, must come down yeah and i i remember watching like like at one point michael must say okay how how do i keep stuff falling what if there's like a magnet that turns on and off and <laughs> things are just going up and down and i'm just like
0: what that's <laughs> funny that's funny and yeah. speaking that you said you are actually we were talking a little bit before this we started recording you mentioned that you're actually originally from the atlanta area and yeah. uh, i kind of i kind of figured maybe you were because um you you went to school here in Atlanta, right? Yeah, at, I went was at SCAD. SCAD. Yep. Yeah. How yeah. was that how was that experience going to SCAD growing up?
2: Well, so I went to SCAD after I, I had already gone to school for 3 years. Okay. Um and so I, you know, I, I, I went out to Kennesaw State University
0: mm-hmm. and okay.
2: yep. um and so after that I uh, decided that I was actually going to take um the degree that I really wanted to, so I went back and um, it was, you know, I'd say SCAB prepared us as far as relationships-wise with like so many people within the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're working with some of the top-notch uh, resources oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, and, and within the top-notch uh, networks that, mm-hmm. you know, the Southeast uh, has to offer. And I would argue that it's not that far off uh, with the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, um you know, obviously as an independent creator, when you leave SCAT, you need to temper your expectations because what mm. you the equipment that you're gonna to be touching is probably gonna be a far cry from from what oh, yeah. you're using in school. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: definitely. You you've gotta manage expectation there, you know. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people that's a really valuable lesson that in a way Maybe they do and maybe they don't, but I, at least in my experience, that is something that I never going kind of from going from the indie world and then the experiences I've had on actual legit sets, you know, um, that was something that was never really taught to me or told to me of, okay, learn to manage expect- learn to manage your expectation, you know, yeah. and what to expect almost, you know, yeah.
2: that's, that's yeah. a big element that I would say has allowed me to be able to, um, you know, stay in business and stay a freelancer. I I mean, I work for the studios from time to time, um, but for the most part, I freelance and do any projects. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that's one of the things that allows me to stay in uh, business is because I'm going to give myself this credit. I say um, there is a fine balance between okay, how do we accomplish this quality that you want to accomplish Yeah, and how do you be as productive as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. I I was on one set with a guy and he, I mean, literally we got three hours to get a shot and he wants to spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes waiting for someone to go to the gas station to pick up, um, some foil so he can wrinkle it up and get the light to reflect off the background or way, you know, nice little wrinkle in the background. Yeah. And I, I remember saying to him, hey, man, listen, you know, first of all, if you really want to do that, you know, especially in indie film, you, you have to do that in advance. You, you need mm-hmm. to pay her before you get on set. You got to spend money that you don't already have in your pocket. Like that's time that you got to spend mm-hmm. that time and that energy, that resource, that money mm-hmm. uh, in pre-production. Because we don't have the luxury that we have on a, on a major production where we can just send a PA to go and then they just, you know, they're a sharp PA. They're going to get there and come back in 10 minutes and we're going to get this shot done you have to look at your entire production and say okay what do we need to sacrifice and what what can't we sacrifice to meet yeah. our goal um right. because there's so many if i always tell my buddies well, look man if you think you're small smarter than hollywood um then you know you need to tell me the trick cuz i'm listening you know yeah. and then you can make them pay you to tell you to tell them yeah. because if they could do this with like six guys on the crew, they would, mm-hmm. um, they, they just, you can't, you know? Yeah. Totally. Um, so
0: yeah. And it's having that, it's having that, that, um, position of, like you said, of, Hey, like if you have the answer to this, of how we can accomplish this more efficiently, then by all means, tell me, you know, because right. I, 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 I can le- use it to learn and grow and continue on and, become better at what I'm doing, become better as a filmmaker, as opposed to having an attitude of like, I know everything, I've arrived, and such and such. And I feel right. like a lot of that plays a huge role in, especially when you get higher up in the studio system. Um, just from my limited experience in that world, you know, I feel like that's a huge aspect of everything. And kind of yeah. learning to live, in a way, almost learning to navigate the politics of, a,
2: of like a studio set, you could say. Yeah, it's, I'd say from the film side, just production in general, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about theater, but uh, live TV, uh, you know, film, uh, live sports, um, Mm -hmm. it seems like a very, you know, gatekeeper type community. Like no one wants to share information. No one wants to give you the real key. No Mm -hmm. one really wants to, uh, you know, they see someone new and they just assume that they have Mm -hmm. no idea. Um, you know, for some reason they got here legit, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, you know, I think, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. more welcoming environment, a more uh, a collaborative mm-hmm. environment, definitely yeah. uh, could be more uh, beneficial to a collaborative art. In fact, to me
0: exactly, exactly, and by no means am I trying to uh make this conversation to almost like a independent versus studio, um battle or competition in a way but at the same time like you i know you've um just from reading about you i know you've done like you said um your own independent projects your own independent films and such you know but you've also been on some pretty major sets in this in the major studio studios in terms you know um the walking dead you know um game of thrones these huge shows that people watch But at the same time you're also doing independent stuff you know
2: yeah, there's a there's a there's a solid solid difference uh, as it relates to the individual work. There, even mm-hmm. when you get to the business side of it, and I just recently mm-hmm. learned this from the business side of filmmaking. There's two totally different business models. Mm-hmm. There's the business model of uh, the, the you know the Hollywood you know ten million dollar or more budget. Mm-hmm. Um where and that's yep. that that's in a lot of circles is a extremely low budget film. Um oh, uh, totally. which is crazy, you know, but totally. that's, that's just the way it is, you know. Um and uh, you know, the micro budget film world, you know, we're not even mm-hmm. talking about the low budget, you know, the micro budget film world, those are two totally different business models. Yep. They are meant, you are meant to be casting different, you are meant to be shooting different, you are meant to be Uh, Trying to sell it different, different audience. You are you are you are analyzing a script uh, differently, uh, and uh, and that's because these are two totally different business models. It is the difference between you know saying you know, hey babe, do you want to go grab some Chick Fil A? Hey, look, I love Chick Fil A. Look, it's great. (laughs) It tastes great. Like like like, I it makes me really happy. Oh yeah. At the same time, you know, also love. You know, what's uh, what's popular in Atlanta right now? God, I haven't been there for a minute. But I mean, anyways, uh, Chick-fil-A
0: yeah. is still really popular here. I mean, <laughs> right. you, yeah, I, there's I a love,
1: Chick-fil-A on every corner. I
0: love Chick-fil-A. It's they started honestly. selling
1: Chick-fil-A and Polynesian sauce by the bottle at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have it in my refrigerator at this <laughs>
2: moment. Do uh, so. I mean, so you guys like five have chick fil A's out there? Yeah. I, hey, we, we, they just... Uh, we Starting like a year two years ago we got one and now there's four within two you know so you know, that
1: sounds about right
2: it's yeah, one of those
0: things of like you they they kind of test the market with their with yeah. one store and then they realize it's doing well poof,
2: just take <laughs> over you know <laughs> right yep. but yeah it's it's it, it, even though you know chick-fil-a has its spot there you know a, a, a fine dining restaurant is you know has its spot yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not to compare the two. They're two totally different things. Totally, yeah. You know, is one going to make you less happy than the other one? No. Mm-hmm. Is there a time when you prefer one more than the other one? Yeah. yeah. There are times when I prefer Chick-fil-A more than a fine dining restaurant. Totally. Generally
1: on a Sunday, right?
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, When you can't get it. Mm-hmm. Can't
1: totally. get it on a Sunday.
0: <laughs> but that's one thing that I've found, you know, is that lots of times when you are working um, independent projects and you have, an, um, you have more control over – where things are going and what's happening, grand scheme of things. Um, whether you're running on your own production company or you're working on local sets or your friend's sets or whatever it is, you know, a lot of times I feel like it lends itself to a lot more that that collaborative, um, creative atmosphere that you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But I personally, I personally enjoy that way more than just, you know, I, I, in a way I feel like the least the bigger sets I've been on, a lot of the art I felt like was stripped out of it for me. Um, well, yeah.
2: I mean, from I mean, if you're not the director or the if you're not above producer, the line then right. Yeah, yeah, then I mean you're doing like a monotonous. Most yeah. of the bigger sets I was on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the I always say the bigger the set, the smaller the role I typically play. play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, some of the bigger sets I was on, you know, I was in the camera department, but mm-hmm. you know, I was just you know first AC or something like that, mm-hmm. and you know, my job is very monotonous. Okay, we need 50 millimeter lens. Put it on there. Oh, am I gonna pull focus or are we doing the ACE or the focus puller gonna do it this time? Okay, cool. You know, I'm, yeah. it's just a very monotonous, one small detailed job that you oh, do yeah. over and over and you're expected to do that perfectly every time.
0: Exactly.
2: Um, whereas on the indie film, you could be a guy who just showed up to help a guy who you heard about was making the film. Mm-hmm. You walk in and if you are working your ass off and you're doing your thing, you best believe he's gonna try to give you more and more and more responsibility. Because yeah. he needs more, more help. Needs well, you know?
0: more hands. Yeah. Needs more help. Yeah. Gauging. You know. Okay, what are you? What are your capabilities? What can you do? Exactly. You know, exactly. what, how much exactly. can I hand to you? You know.
2: Exactly. Yeah, you, know, you show up that as that like
0: experience.
2: You show up as like a PA. and Next thing you know, they're like, "Well, I mean, wait. So you have the same camera? Or so do you know how to do this? Oh, okay, cool. Wait, I tell you what. Can you call this shot for us? <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, all of a sudden, you're you're going from you're going from p from a background extra to second AC, you know. Right, yeah,
2: it's like. So,
1: so let me ask you: What is your favorite position to work on a film set?
2: I mean, I love directing. Um, mm. uh, that is my passion. Mm, uh, yeah. Next to that, uh, you know, being a DP is. Mm. You know, bear, it's something that, something that even when I'm directing, I have a hard time stepping away from because mm, yeah. to look through the finder, look down the lens, and see it mm-hmm. and compose it, and you know, yeah. change the the colors and fix it to the way you want it is something mm-hmm. that for mm-hmm. me is, yeah. uh, intimate. Um, oh, totally. Because that's so, a big
0: yeah. deal to let that go. Yeah. When you care so much about it, that and that's one thing that I can I re- feel like really relate with is oh, that you when you let when you let go of that. When you, that care, when you care so much about that, it's a big thing to let it go. It's a big Do, thing to trust someone
2: else with that. Yeah. Does Roger have a hard time letting someone else hold the camera? <laughs> right. um,
1: right. No. I wouldn't say yeah.
0: so. I mean, there typically isn't anybody else to hold the camera. So. <laughs> there
1: typically is it Normally, if there's somebody else to hold the camera, it's normally me. And since I'm the director, that makes it a little more I'm just rewarding. like, hold it's this. <laughs> so, gotcha. Guard it with but, your life. But, no, what I was saying is there's um, he gets so particular, especially with lighting a lot lately. That's been so my So he's lighted, been new very, thing. like, particular, like, I need it this way, and this is how it's got to be, and gets very particular. And so he has a hard That's time picking that up.
2: Lighting, lighting was something that I – I mean, you're always growing, right? Like, I created oh something a year ago, and I'm like, <sighs> you know? Um, and so you're always growing. But lighting was one of those things that when I figured it out, I was like, it was like, boom! Oh, Everything yeah. was just so yeah. much better. Yeah, that gap between what I was like, what's wrong with this it, shot?
0: It's the difference between it looking like crap and the difference between it looking excellent and great.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those three or four things yeah. that like totally instantly tells you the difference between. Okay, this is these are some jokers, or mm-hmm. this is a filmmaker.
0: This is a joker yeah. shooting on a shooting on an iPhone.
2: This is a sh-
0: yeah. I mean, because I mean, you could you could shoot something like we talked about this on the podcast before. You know, if you can shoot something on a Red or an already Alexa, you know, and it, it can look like trash. And you, it, I mean, obviously you're gonna see a, a, res, a resolution and quality difference, but you may not. I mean, if someone you you who don't shoots it right. shoots something. Yeah. Somebody who shoots something on an iPhone could look way better than that. You know. Yeah. It's just yeah. it really I think comes down to. Lighting and knowing your settings, knowing your camera, knowing how yeah. it operates.
2: You know, yeah, no, if it, you don't light it right, it's not gonna no, the red's not gonna matter very much. In fact it'll hurt you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I think I think I realized that after he did, but that's because we started shooting a lot in silhouette and I could see the difference when he started shooting in silhouette versus yeah. uh normally. So being yeah. able to say, it makes a difference, that mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. realize it until... And being able then.
0: to know, like, this, okay, this is how my sensor works, I have to give it this light, so that way in post, I can crush, I can do this to it, and it'll turn right. out looking
2: like this, you know? Yes. Man, that's, and again, that's, that is one of those parts of filmmaking that, like I say, you get it wrong, it's just like sound. Oh. You totally. get it wrong, you know, right away, mm-hmm. it's just, you just, immediately, there's nothing you can do to try mm-hmm. to Change yeah. your viewers' experience. Mm-hmm. Um, with sound, I guess you can go do ADR, you know. But um, it's, but, it's um,
0: pretty. It's one of those things. It's. I used yeah. to say sound was my worst nemesis. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I could never seem to get it right. <laughs> yeah, sound. And I'm sound still not great is, at it, honestly. Huh?
1: So, so let me ask you: What is your favorite, like, onset, like, experience or story that you will have, or if you have one? Do you have, like, oh my God. any <laughs> crazy
0: stories or experiences?
2: Yeah, man. I mean, phew, crazy. I mean, I got the, I mean, I at one time we were on this one set. Um, this was an indie film that we were shooting in Atlanta in 2016, mm-hmm. nice. uh, 17. And uh, the main actor, I, you know, going into it, I talked to the guys. I said, hey, listen. You know, I really don't think we should, um, you know, be moving forward with, you know, these friends that are not actors, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, uh, you know, I know sometimes you have to, but not in like key roles, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then all of a sudden, one of these actors literally is just, I mean, can't remember anything. And it had gotten to the point where, it was no longer I can't remember my lines. It was like I'm having a mental shutdown where yeah. Yeah. there was one scene where the she, the character was supposed to be a producer, and so she's sitting in the studio, and there's like a monitor, you know, uh, in front of her, and you know she's having mm-hmm. a conversation with an art with an artist, and you know we so we had to put the lyrics I'm sorry the lines up on the actual screen of yeah. where the music in the iTunes would be at. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Then, that didn't help, like, that didn't help at all, like, mm-hmm. she was just blank, she's just staring at the words, and like, I'm, like, not me, but someone's, like, literally leaning out of the way with a mouse strolling up the, 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 the script, <laughs> I'm like, yep. like, circling, yep. like, with the mouse circling the part where, and she's just staring at it and just frozen, and so, I mean, it, it was it was one of those moments where, we were like, so my, the producers, we all go into this room and we figure, okay, what the hell do we do so now we're in the back room what do we, we got, do We got the cast and the crew just standing by they have no idea you know what's going on i'm sure you know some people can connect the dots that i think
0: that something's going on yeah they're
2: not happy with this this bloody part of here The situation um, um and and so we're back there trying to discuss how we can kill this character in the middle of the movie <laughs> last understand. minute rewrite yeah that we can kill this character in the middle of the movie and still make it work. Uh, We came up with a strategy, uh, but then we had to shoot two days of, and I'm not kidding you, we had to shoot two days of 24 hour in order to make it work. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's insane. Now, so obviously when you're on an indie project, especially when I'm like DP or director or something, and I tell everyone, I'm like, um, like if 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 I'm not complaining then I don't want to hear you complaining because mm-hmm. like, like there are no scenes that I'm not a part of you know yeah. mm-hmm. uh, especially mm-hmm. when you're DP you're holding the camera you're running the camera you're yeah. moving the tripod you're moving lights on the indie film the DP is the lighting and the and the you know He's running doing the sound. everything. You know, you're yes. doing everything so don't, don't complain so literally not everyone had to stay for 24 hours mm. but I was there with the directors for 24 for 48 hours straight um yeah. And wow, we we insane. ended up uh, it didn't work it, it didn't work uh, but yeah I mean that was one of those crazy crazy moments. There was also one time we booked a uh, I, I, we didn't have a location manager of course so because it's an indie film yeah. and you know imagine that um, it would have been a shocker if we had a location manager
0: yeah
1: right
2: um, and we um, we booked at this perfect you know uh, a location for this horror film that was supposed to take place in the forest. Where, you know, this girl, these kids get lost in the forest, and they Mm -hmm. run across this witch and this creepy house and they had like a little creepy shed out there. It was like perfect. (laughs) I'm like, why is there a perfect creepy shed here? You know, and (laughs) everything was perfect except for when we get to location. Um, Literally, it was a train track on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then on the other side of the other fence, there was a farmhouse. Now, Now, the farmhouse only had one animal. But it was a rooster. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> I can
0: see what's okay.
2: coming. And then someone, some idiot, PA, I don't remember who it was. I'm glad I don't. Um, <clears throat> When people hear this, they're going to know who it is. They don't remember who it was. Um, <laughs> um, some idiot decided that the, the best call, the best course of action was to yell over the fence at the rooster because they wanted to entertain the rest of the crew so someone yeah i, I remember hearing it happen someone says shut up you stupid bird and um <laughs> and as unlikely as that sounds the actual owner took offense to it you know um, like, don't tell my and, stupid bird to shut up Yeah, like, that! and i was like oh shit what the f- you know, um, I love then, that you're so
0: passionate about this story. It's actually peaking out your audio.
2: No, it was okay. Let me fix this. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, then we, we, so we couldn't communicate with the owner anymore. We couldn't communicate with the owner of the actual, uh, the the property because yeah. this person had already like to start a
0: relationship, on.
2: around with the with the rooster or whatever, and they kind of you know showed their. You know on japan's and now we had to figure out what to do so halfway through filming i said guys why don't we just go and buy a freaking rooster and and give the and put the rooster at the freaking shed because like that would explain why we keep hearing a rooster in all of and so we had to, and it surprisingly it was like 30 bucks it was super cheap we bought, we bought a rooster, and it worked out, and it, it ended up being like a character.
1: That's hilarious. Unpredicted
0: production expenses. $30 yeah. for a rooster. Yeah. What Good did shot. you guys do with the rooster after you got that shot?
2: I think they sold it back. I think they did. <laughs> they they sold, sold it back. I think they were like, yeah, let's just sell it back for whatever he'll give us. and that's I think they got like 10 bucks for it back. Or
0: something. Hey, that's one way to do it. That's one way to do it, definitely. You know, as we've been talking a little bit off and on about um, you kind of the difference between the studio system and the independent system and how you um, you, you've done a lot of both. Um, What would you say? I feel like it's very, very apparent that you have a passion and you're very um, passionate about storytelling. What would you say um, inspires you as a storyteller and as a filmmaker to go out there and tell great stories? At the end of the day, what drives
2: you as a storyteller? Um, I I try to get out of the way on the story, right? So I try to say like, how do you say it? Um, and you know, when you're trying to tell a story, you want to reflect this story, right? And like any reflection, whether it's water or glass, um, there's going to be pieces of you left in the reflection. Like if, if you were a mirror and you got cracks in it, there'll be cracks in your story. If you're water and you're and you got some turbulent waves, there's gonna be waves in the reflection. You know, mm-hmm, um, yeah. that's just the way you reflect something. The pieces of you, are 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 shown through your reflection of what you see. So mm-hmm. I try to tell the story that is at hand, um, but I I would say the thing that generally translates of me, and that happens in these stories that you can see the waves or the cracks for me in the story are the fact that I, I believe that it is that everyone's who or what they become. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I love, you know, epic fantasy film and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know epic fantasy stories and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, but let, let's, let's be quite honest. No one is born who they are. Like you, you, I'm born King AR of the X, Y, and Z because mm-hmm. um, the reality is you become who you are. You become. Mm-hmm. You are today who you became yesterday, and you will be tomorrow who you become today. So the things mm-hmm. that you do along the way is what forms that uh, reality. Mm-hmm. So, so I like to focus on the little bumps and things in the road that happen um, to create the mm-hmm. the zing that we get to look at in in, in awe. Exactly. Because because that that mm-hmm. in me is what I've noticed. Um, makes me, me is all the things that happened along the way, along the journey.
0: Yeah. Those moments that not only inspire growth, but, um, are massive pivotal moments for why, why someone is the way they are. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for oh coming on the podcast today. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Um, in closing, I just want to ask you one more question. Um, if you had any advice you could give to anyone who's a creative out there that um, wants to start, that um, has kind of a passion for storytelling, you know, was where you were almost, you know, sitting on your couch watching watching volcano, you know, realizing that this is awesome. I want to do. I want to do something like this one day. Or even they're just trying to break into the industry um right now, what advice would you have to give to them?
2: Um uh don't be afraid to be in love. Um mm. so uh film in order to survive the perilous ups and downs of of trying to be a filmmaker and believing in a story and it not working or submitting a film and being told no or mm. asking someone to act in your film and them acting all snooty and you and saying and, and not responding or or, or or thinking the shot worked out great and getting it on your computer and thinking this looks like shit, um, mm. or you know putting all the money that you have to put into these projects, yeah, yeah. Um, long nights of editing, the long days of filming, all the things, all the horrible horrible things that we that we that makes us happily miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way to survive that is to be in love with this. Mm, If you're not in love with it, you will see all of the trouble and the heartache that you're putting yourself through. But if you are in love with it, as we know, love makes us say, it's fine. It's fine. This is like, it's fine. Mm. Like, I'm just going to do this one thing and everything's going to be fine. Um, Mm. and that's how I, I believe that those people that are in love with it are able to push through, are able to Mm, keep going despite all of the, uh, the, the obvious reasons to, uh, uh, do something smarter, yeah, um, yeah. and in uh, love of it allows you to keep going. And mm-hmm. ultimately, if you keep if you keep going, then I guess you'll never notice the day when you didn't. If you never get where you're going, you mm-hmm. won't remember the day that it happened. Yeah, totally, totally.
0: You'll be gone. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, no,
1: I absolutely love that because love is one of the most powerful emotions, and uh, I guess most. Most powerful thing that there is out there, and that's um, yeah. that's why that makes that statement extremely power yeah. powerful. And
0: yeah.
1: I well, love that. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. It's been a blast talking to you.
2: Thank you guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Hopefully, we do this again later. Of Absolutely. course. Yeah. Let's do this
0: again soon, sometime, and we'll yeah. we'll hang out again. Okay. All
2: right, you guys have a good one.
0: As always, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast with Gino today. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast today. It's always a it's been a blast bringing you this podcast every single week. And as always, as a quick reminder, if you have not followed us on social media yet, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Right Time Media. We've got some super exciting stuff to show you guys that's rolling out here within the next month on those platforms. We're so excited to share it with you guys. You're not going to want to miss it, including the premiere of our original web series, Young Life. The premiere will be dropping on February 1st on our YouTube channel at Right Time Media. Make sure you go and check that out. If you enjoyed today's podcast, feel free to give us a review on the iTunes and Google Play stores. We would love to have that review there, and that will help us get out to other people and get get into a bigger audience and allow more people to hear the podcast. So if you enjoyed it today, make sure you give us a positive five-star review and like and subscribe to Chase the Unknown across all of our social media. Until next time, remember to go and chase your unknown.